Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. It's the moment of the evening every K-State fan enjoys. Settle down and pour a whiskey. Crack open a LaCroix Please put your hands together And make a little noise For your favorite wildcatters The handsome Bosco boys Ooh, Bosco's boys Come on, boys Boom, the boys are back And there is no do- doubt about it We are in the drums of summer Uh you know, welcome to June. You know, we got to get through June and July before August gets around. We'll have Blitz Month again. We'll have all sorts of football news. Uh, but it's it's going to be a it's gonna be a battle to get there. But we will do it together. It is time for our weekly episode. As always, we are sponsored by Manhattan Brewing Company. The Best brewery in the state of Kansas. And I tell you what, if the summer is good for one thing, it is getting together with friends and family, maybe outside for a little bit before it gets just too stupid hot, then you come back inside. But whether you're inside, outside, at the ball game, at the lake, at the beach, or anywhere in between, everything is better with an ice cold beer from Manhattan Brewing Company. If your local liquor store in the state of Kansas does not have four packs in stock, politely tell them, hey, I want to see some Manhattan Brewing Company beers, some four packs in here. If you're in Manhattan, go to the tap room. There's always fun stuff going on, always a ton of beers, always signature cocktails, and you can get crowlers and four packs to go. The start of every fun summer night starts at Manhattan Brewing Company whether in Manhattan or your local liquor store. All right, um, so despite my uh, disdain and disgust for the season of summer, we do have a few fun topics to start uh, talking about to talk about today. Uh, You know, the first one will not be K-State specific, but Big 12, uh, some expansion I think is on the way. I'm finally... At the point where I'm going to make a prediction. Not that anyone cares about me officially making predictions. Um, but I think we're at that point. Um, then we're going to talk about some fun news. Uh, John Rothstein confirming K-State will be playing USC in Las Vegas to start the year. I'll talk a little bit about uh, what we know about the K-State non-conference schedule. 
and why that game specifically says a lot about where the K-State brand is going when it comes to men's basketball. And then I'm going to end talking about the recruiting pickup of Kyle Rakers, a top 60 interior offensive lineman, uh, at the end of the show. And I, I, I don't have anything special to say about that recruit. Um, despite playing offensive line, I'm never going to be able to uh, sit around, watch tape of offensive linemen in high school and be able to tell you if they're going to be good or not in college. But I think the way fans reacted to that commitment really says something, and it might not be what you would think. Um, so with, with with all that said, that that's that little teaser, that little bit. Hey, this is what you can expect. Let's get into it. Let's talk about the Big 12. Uh, There were some meetings out in West Virginia this week. University presidents and ADs were there. Um, Some small stuff kind of popped out. Nothing earth-shaking. But as this is officially realignment season, really it's from the middle of May until the end of July, things always seem to pop off. That is the time where things happen. And quite frankly, folks, I'm here to tell you, um, and and I've been hesitant to do so despite, you know, Marco Bourne maybe breaking some news back in March, the last time he came on a live show, kind of letting maybe the cat out of the bag. Maybe it's been this way for a long time, but I'm ready to predict Colorado is going to come back to the Big 12. Now, I think everyone, at least I think, Again, everything's hazy, but I feel like they were the first domino to fall. I I feel like they were the first school that said, hey, yo, we're dipping out. I think it was them and Texas A&M, if memory serves me correctly. And I think they were the first ones um, to jump. And I I don't, I'm going to say this, I don't have mixed feelings about them coming back. I don't care. I uh, quite frankly, I, I don't want Colorado back. Um, I, and it's because I don't want these massive conferences. I think 12 is the biggest I, I would want K-State to be, K-State to be part of. Um, but but it doesn't look like that's going to be the case. Now, if, if I could wave a magic wand and add Colorado instead of Houston or instead of UCF, uh, I would do it. And even... in Instead of West Virginia, I would do it. I I, I wish uh, Colorado. I, I I would love for them to be part of a realistic twelve team Big Twelve. Now I I think that is all out the window. I I don't think that is going to happen. I'll actually share here in a bit that I I think we are very shortly um, going to be a sixteen team conference, and, and I think. Uh, at a minimum, uh, it's going to be 14. I think there's a chance we don't have a season where it is just a 12-team conference. I think there's a very real shot that Colorado and others could be in the conference uh, this time, or I guess July 1, uh, 2024, because that's when the uh, league calendar officially begins. So, I... I mean, I, I think I, w- I would make that prediction. I, I think that we're going to hear something in the next 45 days, and I think Colorado will be a member by the next 
uh, season. Look, I, I I get it. I understand the reasons why we're going to do it, but I, I hate it. I, I quite frankly, I hate it. I hate conference realignment, and and I'm not getting anything from Colorado coming back now. If you're telling me, hey Scott, uh, you know you can expand past 12, but it's going to be Nebraska and Missouri coming back, I'd be on this show and I would be doing cartwheels. I'd be doing flips. Those are teams I enjoy kind of hating, enjoy uh, you know playing. And, and granted, it's only been in basketball, but those are teams that. Uh, I have emotion towards, you know, uh, I, I would put Colorado behind both those schools. I'd put them behind, uh, Oklahoma. Uh, I would put them behind Texas and, and maybe only in front of Texas A&M amongst schools that have left the big 12, uh, that I would want to bring back. Now, uh, th- there is some, uh, good feeling saying, Hey, we're getting one of the big eight originals back. Uh, so you're going to get to a point where you still have five schools from that original Big Eight, and it is a sign of the health of the Big Twelve. Uh, so none of these are bad, and, and I'm not gonna. When it becomes official, I'm not gonna throw a fit. I'm not gonna be pissed off or anything like that. That that's not what this is. This is me just saying, hey, look, I I was I was looking forward to twelve. I think this year in football. And even more so in basketball, 14 is going to suck. I think it's stupid. Um, It's one of the worst numbers for conference uh, college sports. I think, honestly, 10 is the best. 10 was awesome. Um, Hell, even 9 and 8 would have been great. I'm always forever going to look back during this past era of Big 12 sports so fondly because round robin in football – and double round robin in basketball uh, was the single most fun format you can have. Now, the fact that Colorado is coming back and the fact that uh, some other Pac-12 schools or Pac-10 schools or whatever they're calling themselves are in play, um, that is fun uh, because you do get to take victory laps because there are people like Stuart Mandel. There were people like Heather Denich. There were all sorts of national folks uh, who, who celebrated the uh, what they perceived as the imminent death of the Big 12. There are people who overly eulogize and talk so glowingly about the pack and how could USC and UCLA destroy all that history, blah, 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 blah. They didn't do any of that for the Big 12. So the cynical part of me, the asshole part of me, the, the kind of hot take type of person I am, especially on Twitter these days. Um, I love that. I, I love that Stuart Mandel is going to have to sit there and watch the destruction of the Pac-12 and see Colorado and what I predict two more schools choose the Big 12 uh, over trying to stick around and make things work in the Pac-10, Pac-12, Pac-8, whatever they want to call it. I'm going to like all that, Um, but 14 is the worst, and I I predict that it is going to go up to 16. I think Brett Yormark uh, sits back, and he thinks that, hey, 16 is the number to be. Now, any sort of scheduling model, especially with football, and you you can do things with basketball as well, where you can chop things up into four pods of four, 
um, to get to that 16 number. I like the scheduling model if you do that. I, 16 with pods, I think, is a good number. And I think the way things are going to go, it is going to preserve um, some historic rivalries. It's going to make geography make sense. And it's going to allow, in football, getting to play everyone in your conference twice in a four-year cycle and in every stadium in a four-year cycle. I think 16 is the best number uh, if you're going to go beyond 12. Um, and he- heck, honestly, for logistics and trying to figure stuff out, um, at least with what I predict the 16 uh, that the Big 12 is going to have, uh, I-, I-, I think that that does make the most sense. Now, Beyond Colorado, the school that has had the most smoke over the last 10 days is the University of Connecticut, the Yukon Huskies. Now, I I said all these things about Colorado, and I understand it, and I'm not going to protest it. I'm not going to get pissed off. And and, and honestly, on Twitter, um, and we'll just keep this between everyone listening, on Twitter, I'm going to celebrate it because I'm going to make fun of the the West Coast media elites. What I don't understand, and no part of me is going to celebrate, and I am going to scratch my head, is uh, the addition of UConn. Now, I've already kind of laid the groundwork why I think you have to go East, and if not UConn, there isn't a perfect fit. There is no perfect fit for the next school out East, because I don't think it's realistic to think the ACC is going to collapse anytime soon. I, I don't think it's going to happen. And UConn has been the team that has been talked about the most, especially as a uh, full sport member. There's been talk about Gonzaga being a basketball member. I'm not going to worry about that right now. Uh, but but it sounds like if, if reports are to be believed, UConn is going to be maybe the 14th team in the new Big 12, and and I don't love it. I don't love it. I'll say here in a second why it makes sense, but I don't love it. I think Brett Yormark is really putting the cart before the horse. I think he is uh, being a little cavalier, honestly. I I think he is uh, anticipating making this big statement, and he's said in the media before, of in the next TV contract, which, folks, it's still six years away it's not like this is right around the corner this there is still a very very long it's six or seven years from now before we do another tv contract and brett yormark has talked about detaching football bidding it out on its own and then basketball along with all the olympic and non-revenue sports together and he thinks that the big 12 will make more money doing it that way versus bidding them all out together and that's where UConn becomes attractive if you're trying to project thing, things out. I don't, I, I, I don't like that move. And I, I think that there is a lot of uh, kind of accepting things as fact that we have no idea. We have no idea if Brett Yormark is going to be able to successfully negotiate 
a football contract that says, you know, you know, is around the $50 million mark and say, get another 10, 15 for basketball. I'm not convinced he's going to be able to do that. It seems like a lot of Big 12 folks are. They're taking it almost as a fact when I don't think that's the case. We've never seen it done for a reason. Now, if he pulls it off, awesome. I'm not even convinced he's going to be around when that next TV deal comes around. And I don't like the idea of chaining ourselves to UConn basically uh, for as long as college athletics is going to be a thing. Uh, I really don't like the idea of basketball-only stuff, which Gonzaga continues to get brought up in those lights. I, I don't love that at all. I, I'm not a fan of that. Now, UConn at least has football. They went to a bowl game last year, but honestly, they're shit. They're not good at football. They're not going to bring anything in football. And I just, I, I just have a hard time seeing this being a successful move if that is what happens. Um, again, I, I, I wish there was a more obvious decision. I wish there was something uh, I could point to and say, hey, this would be a better move. Um, and you can't really do it. I mean, look, I, I think, and I've danced around it, I, I think what's going to happen is when we get to 16, I think we're going to have four pods. I think you're going to have an Eastern Time Zone pod. I think you're going to have a Texas pod. I think you're going to have a old Big 8 pod, uh, which is Oklahoma State, K-State, KU, Iowa State, and then a Mountain uh, pod, which is going to be Colorado, BYU, Arizona, and probably Utah, but we'll talk about that in a bit. That's why I think there is going to be an Eastern team because it just makes sense. Now, are there any other contenders? Uh, I think that Memphis thinks they are. I, I think, honestly, I, and it's been reported, if Memphis would have been a little bit more aggressive when it comes to facilities, when it comes to uh, investment in their athletic programs... I think they would have gotten in over UCF or over Houston the last time we did this. But there were no imminent uh, uh, renovations to the Liberty Bowl, the worst stadium I've ever been in, um, lack of investment in the overall athletic department as a whole. Uh, they've announced that, hey, there's going to be renovations to the Liberty Bowl. There's been more investment in their athletic program. Um, I don't know if FedEx is still allegedly willing to bring all sorts of investment to the table at the conference level to help get Memphis in, to help grease those wheels. I'm not sure. I, I think Memphis would be the better choice over UConn. Again, we saw UConn leave the American and go independent in football because they missed playing those regional rivalries up in the Northeast. They missed those traditional games. They're not going to get that. They didn't like being in a, uh, you know, uh, you know, from the mountains to the uh, Northeast Conference that was the American. And here they are turning around and saying, hey, we, we, we want to join the Big 12 now. Now, the Big 12, totally different world. Than the American again, it is the premier basketball conference. I understand. I see why. Hey, th th this is going to be at a level that makes some of those negatives worth it. Um, but I, I, I truly just don't see that being a successful marriage. If it is UConn, great. Um, we, we, 
we 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 better have the 16 team thing in pods and Brett Yormark better be right about basketball rights otherwise um that's always going to be a head scratcher um when you go out west I I do think once you get Colorado uh to come on board I think Arizona wants to come on I think Arizona uh is the the school that is the crown jewel of the quote-unquote four corners of the quote-unquote mountain schools, all that type of stuff. I think Arizona gives you the most bang for your buck in the state of Arizona when you look at the Phoenix market, even though uh, I believe Arizona State is closer. I I think they are the flagship in that school. And again, they at least have that basketball uh, pedigree to hang their hats on. And look, I I don't know which one's going to figure it out, but I do think either Arizona or Arizona State, if they ever uh, get the right hire, I think both of them, either one of them, can be consistently solid in football. So I would I would tend to go Arizona as your number two. And then it comes down to Arizona State or Utah. Um, look, if it wasn't for Utah's dickhead fans on Twitter, I'd say no doubt bring in Utah. Um, they're on the come up in basketball. They arguably have been the second or third best football uh, school in the Pac-12 in the last five, six years. Uh, You have that Holy War rivalry between them and BYU. Um, You know, I I, I think it would make sense, but their fans have sucked. They're dickheads. They they think they're better than the Big 12, even as the Pac-12 is crumbling under their feet. I think they're starting to come to the realization uh, that the Pac-12 is just uh, is about to die. Um, so I, I think that's the call that you make, um, and, and that's what it's ultimately going to be. Now, I'm only going to put the Scott Wildcat stamp of prediction on Colorado joining. I'm not willing to go there with anything else. But gun to my head, I, I do think, if I had to make a prediction, I do think that the Big 12 is going to be a 16-team conference, and I think it is going to be the new 12 plus Colorado, Arizona, Utah, and UConn. I, I would I would prefer Memphis over UConn. I know South Florida really wishes uh, they were part of that. They're building a an on-campus football stadium. I think they're trying to make themselves look a little bit more attractive. They just got AAU uh, status when you talk about research institutions. Massive school. Again, very similar to Central Florida. I think at one point they were ships crossing in the night and everyone thought South Florida was going to be the school that if one of them was going to get the call up to the power conferences, it was going to be South Florida. Um, It turned out to be Central Florida. Um, So I I know South Florida desperately wants it. I see them on the outside looking in. And and honestly, I I, I think Tulane probably is kind of thinking to themselves, man, you know, maybe if we we would have been a little bit more loud, a little bit more aggressive about this, they could have been a player. I think you could see Tulane and SMU part of um, a a diet version of a Pac-12. I think if you see three of those teams leave, I think San Diego State is going to join. Will Colorado State join? I doubt it. Is Boise going to join? No chance. I don't think so. I I think if you do see those three teams leave, I think you're going to see San Diego State, SMU, and maybe Tulane go to the PAC and make that a PAC-10 until Washington and Oregon 
find a way to get into the Big Ten because I, I think that's the only way those two schools are going to leave, especially with the new playoff rules coming. So that's how I see Pat, or, uh, Big 12 expansion going. Uh, we'll keep an eye on it all summer because I really do think something's going to happen. I think at a minimum we're going to see Colorado and a school from the East uh, join. Uh, but my official prediction, uh, I would bet on Colorado, but I, I predict we see four teams and uh, maybe in 2024 we see a 16-team football schedule. Let's move on past that and let's talk about the news. Again, not official official because we haven't seen anything from the T-Mobile Arena in Las Vegas. We haven't seen anything from any of the schools officially announcing it. But John Rothstein reporting it is about as close to official as things get before you see the actual press release. And that is K-State going to Las Vegas to play USC on that Monday. I think it's November 6th. Uh, whatever the first Monday, the first day of college basketball, the first game day of college basketball, K-State is going to be headlining a game with USC out in Las Vegas. Uh, I, I believe it's Georgia and Oregon is the undercard, so that it's a doubleheader out there in the T-Mobile arena. Um, and, and you're going to see Oregon and Georgia beforehand. And we might be seeing Georgia down in the uh, uh, Caribbean uh, as we're playing in the Bahamar uh, basketball tournament uh, over Thanksgiving week. Um, so, hey, give the, the coaches a chance to scout Georgia um, down there. But um, it's going to be an exciting game. And, and again, it's going to be billed as Bronny James's first game as a USC Trojan. Um, I'm sure LeBron James is going to be there. You're going to see like the Kardashians. You're going to see rappers. You're going to see all sorts of famous people. Again, it, the K-State played in uh, Madison Square Garden, and because of all those New York kids, because of all the good publicity Marquise Noel and Naquan Tomlin had, as well as Keontae Johnson, you had some uh, you know rappers. You had some B and C level celebrities. But folks, this game is going to have. A-list celebrities from the basketball world. Now, I think the game is going to either be on CBS or Fox or I, I honestly I'm not quite sure because it's going to be going head to head with a Monday night football game. Now, if it wasn't, say this was on Tuesday, which is where I believe the Champions Classic is going to go, uh, and they didn't want to go head to head with the Champions Classic, but say it was like on a Wednesday or something like that. I think there there would be a chance that this would be like a million, 1.5 million viewership for the spectacle that that game's going to be. Uh, I don't think it's going to be that. I'm not even sure how the TV partner stuff works when stuff goes head to head with Monday Night Football. I don't know if any of the NFL TV partners are allowed to go some go up against uh, Monday Night Football. I'm not sure how that works. But we are going to see unprecedented coverage and hype around the first game K-State plays uh, for the first time since they were part of the old ESPN 24 Hours of College Basketball tip-off when they hosted Virginia Tech and Bramlage coming off of that Elite Eight run. Um, usually it is an absolute throw a game, throwaway game versus Tarleton State or, you know, FAMU or something like that. No, this is a big-time game against what is going to be one of the biggest stories in college basketball 
all next year. Now, make no mistake about it. It is going to be coverage. It is going to be hype. It is all going to be about USC. And a lot of the talk is going to be about Bronny, LeBron James Jr., all that type of stuff. I get it. You know, there's not going to be tons of coverage around, oh, Naquan Tomlin, can he be an All-American? You know, oh, you, you you got Tyler Perry coming in from North Texas, one of the most impactful guards anyone grabbed out of the transfer portal. It's not going to be Jerome Tang. How can, what, what does he have for his encore after that Elite Eight season? No, it's not. It'll be the Bronny James show, but they put the K-State brand right up next to them because I do think the K-State basketball brand is becoming a sexy brand. Now, if they just wanted an also run, if they just wanted a, hey, here's a Power 5 team to debut uh, you know, LeBron James's kid against on a national stage in an arena, and hey, it's just let's get all the stars out, the West Coast stars out to see this game, that's all they wanted. Hey, they could have done Wake Forest. They could have grabbed. I mean, I I'm trying to, you know, they they could have grabbed Georgia Tech. You know, they could have grabbed uh, BYU. They could have grabbed all sorts of different uh, lower level, lower rung power competition. You know, they could have grabbed Northwestern. They could have grabbed all, any, they, they could have grabbed just about anyone. But they grabbed K State because it is a sexy game, because we became uh, kind of the media darlings, America's team during that run in the NCAA tournament. And I think there is a very real chance that if Jerome Tang can have a follow up, Similar to, you know, again, finishing top four in the Big 12, going to the Elite Eight, that is a big ask. But if they can play an entertaining brand of basketball, if they can continue to cultivate and have those viral moments on social media, if they can make some big plays in Big 12 play, if they can make it to the second weekend in the NCAA tournament, I think we are going to see the K-State brand in basketball, when you want to talk about a cool element, when if you want to talk about a media recognition element, I think there is a very real chance with a big year this year, it could go to that next level. And if you could go in and win that first game versus a USC team, and here's the thing, LeBron James Jr., Bronny, might not even start. You know, he he's coming in in a recruiting class behind a five-star guard. There's three other or, or two other four and five-star players with him. USC brought in one of the best prep recruiting classes, you know, that college basketball saw last year. I think it ended up in the top 10, top 15 um with their fourth edition. Um so this is not going to be at least on the floor the LeBron James show uh there's all sorts of uh future pros that are going to be playing this game for usc uh usc is going to be one of the hottest teams one of the teams that is going to be talked about all season long and if you can start things off with a win versus usc especially if you have a couple highlight plays again that is going to do a ton for this new brand this new image that is being cultivated for k-state basketball
You can say whatever you want about last season. You can say whatever you want about how the offseason's been going. I think if we want to have the type of season uh, that, that we're all hoping, that we're all envisioning, you still need to grab one or two legitimate impact transfers or a JUCO guy or find someone you know from Europe. I don't know. I, I think you still need two pieces for this team to be at the highest level that we want to be. I think Tyler Perry is going to be a dog. I think Naquan Tomlin hopefully is going to be uh, close to an All-American level. I hope you see the development of the young guys, the guys that are coming back. Maybe one of the incoming freshmen surprise you. I All that type of stuff. Um, I, I'm never going to uh, be surprised if Jerome Tang uh, exceeds expectations because he did it seemingly every week last year. But we are setting ourselves up to be one of the coolest teams in all of college basketball. And getting this game, being the head-to-head matchup with the biggest name to play college basketball, honestly, maybe ever. Truly, if you're going off of just name recognition, if you're going off of social media uh, followers, if you're going off of just pure fame, I don't think there's ever been a more famous person to play college basketball coming in. Because, again, yes, Michael Jordan played college. I get all that. But coming in with the fame and recognition, I don't think anyone will have that like LeBron James Jr. And we are the team that gets to go in there and hopefully hand them a loss. I truly think that that is just a sign and recognition of the brand and the job that Jerome Tang has been able to do in that first year. And I'm going to, I'm going to say this and and I said it, I think a few times last year, I don't think there's anyone in the world that could have given the shot in the arm that could have taken K state, just the fans from the apathy and frustration and the civil war of the Bruce Weber era despite the Elite Eight, despite the two Big 12 championships, to having a fever pitch and a bloodthirst amongst the fan base. You know, I I, th- I think we're in a position where if we're a bubble team, K-State fans are going to be mad because that's how high the expectations have gone in just one year. I think there is, I don't think it's rabid. I don't think it's passion. I think it truly is back to that bloodthirst that we saw during the Frank Martin, the height of the Octagon of Doom era. I, I think that K-State fans, when it comes to basketball, they literally have a bloodthirst for winning and success and doing it with flash and being in the media's eyes. I don't think there's any coach in the world that could have brought that out in the fan base so quickly. And I don't think there's another coach or coaching staff that could have put K-State, the program, on the map, a sexy school, a social media, uh, you know, going viral sensation, media darling, America's darling, all that type of stuff, making K-State cool again. Again, no, we're, we're not like some of these blue bloods. No, when, when we're trying to recruit some of these portal guys and when you're trying to go head-to-head for the best of the best for uh, high school talent, you know, going against Kentucky, KU, Duke, uh, the bluest of the blue bloods, no, we're not at that level yet. But when you're talking about social media engagement, when you talk about sexy up-and-coming brands, K-State is right at the top. 
and, and I, I really do think getting this game in uh, Las uh, Vegas versus USC uh, is all the proof of it. And, and I want to give so much credit to Jerome Tank for making it happen faster than anyone could have imagined. Um, and, and when you look at the non-con uh, taking shape, we talked about how we have LSU. We're going to Baton Rouge to play that game. You have Nebraska coming into Bramlage. You have Villanova coming into Bramlage. You have Wichita State uh, in uh, Kansas City. Uh, and make sure, if you're listening to this, it, make sure you get into that game. I, I, I want as much purple in there as possible. I don't want to see any black and gold. I know that's not realistic, but I, I want to see as much purple and lavender in there as possible. I want nothing. I, I, I want no shockers getting into uh, Kansas City when we play them. And then, again, a much better tournament. Uh, you know, I, I think it is Providence, Miami, and Georgia down in, uh, you know, the Caribbean and the Baja Mar Classic or whatever it's called. So it's going to be a much tougher non-conference season. Allegedly, you know, the rumors is that they're still trying to find even one more power-type program to do a home-and-home with starting in Bramlage. So they're trying to get one more uh, big game, and that would be in Bramlage, which would leave only like two or three kind of rummy-type games. You know, (laughs) It, it, it's it's truly wild uh, what this uh, coaching staff is doing. And again, they've completely changed everything. Um, as you guys remember, when I talked about things last year, I was all for the non-conference schedule we had. Again, we had a uh, non-conference strength of schedule like in the high 100s or maybe in the 200s. It was not good. But ha- with how good the Big 12 was, we ended up having a top 25 strength of schedule in the nation. I don't think you need to do that. And quite frankly, again, I, like I said, I'm not going to be surprised when Jerome Tang proves me wrong. But, you know, the fact that we still have three open uh, scholarship spots left, the fact that I, you know, I said it just earlier, hey, I, I'd still really like to see one or two real big-time difference makers still added to this team in the transfer portal. Um I would not be doing this. I, I, I would I would have had a schedule very similar to last year, especially when you see how much tougher our uh, Thanksgiving week tournament is going to be versus last year. Uh, but that's not the type of game Jerome Tang wants. He's not trying to get four seeds in the NCAA tournament. He's trying to get one seeds. And scheduling like this is how you do it. So all the credit in the world for Jerome Tang. Um, you know, we're what? Uh, we're five months away from that game uh, with USC in Las Vegas. So that's going to be fun getting into it. Um, Before we wrap things up again, remember all great summer moments start with Manhattan Brewing Company, whether that is in the brewery at the tap room right downtown in Manhattan on Points Avenue or getting a four pack from your local liquor store. All great summer moments start with Manhattan Brewing Company. We're going to end talking a little bit about K-State football recruiting, and it's not going to be uh, kind of the direction I, I think maybe you guys would expect because we grabbed Kyle Rakers. Like I said, he's a top 60 interior offensive line prospect, high three-star, top 10 kid in Iowa. You beat a, beat out excuse me, 10 different Power 5 schools, including Iowa State, the team he grew up cheering for, Nebraska, Missouri, Oklahoma State, Purdue, KU, and a lot more. 
this recruiting win came in, and K-State fans were kind of ho-hum about it. You know, I, I think K-State fans, when it comes to recruiting, I, I think they usually give the appropriate amount of, okay, rah-rah on Twitter, message boards, get excited, all this type of stuff. But when you really drill down and you look at the caliber a player that Rakers is, when you look at how the recruiting sites rank him, where he ranks amongst his peer players, where he ranks in the state of Iowa, and you look at some of those offers that he has, this is the type of guy who would have been the cornerstone, the highlight, the top player in a bunch of Bill Snyder 2.0 recruiting classes. This is the type of guy who would have been the uh, you know, banner-waving type player back in the first couple years of the Chris Kleiman era, back in 2019-2020. And now, this recruiting win comes in, people are excited, people are like, alright, yes, that's fun. But there isn't this over-the-top celebration, there's not like these metaphorical parades. When you look at what message boards uh, folks were saying, like, hey, yeah, this is a good recruiting win, uh, but you know, who, who, who's a, the next higher guy that we're going to get? Hey, what are we going to do this? When are we going to do that? The, the fanfare just isn't there like I would have expected, but it really comes down to, uh, and, and pardon, you know, the whole elevation. I, I almost think uh, I need to come up with a new adjective because I, I think it's overused. I, I think K-State fans, we need a thesaurus, but you know, I'm not going to do that. The, the recruiting elevation that Chris Kleiman, Taylor Bratt, and this football staff has made is astonishing. We talk, we've talked about since Jerome Tang came in, we've given him his credit when you look at you know the, the last four high school guys, the three that are coming in, plus uh, David Castillo. You know, you give him the roses and you're like, all right, you know, th- this is an elevation. This is uh, at a level that case it's only seen once before. But what Chris Kleiman is doing football-wise and the overall quality of recruit that he is bringing in compared to at the beginning of his tenure, compared to the Bill Snyder 2.0 era, it is night and day. We are bringing in guys. And Rakers isn't the only one. This is the new norm when K-State goes in and grabs guys. You know, they're going to be in the top echelon of the state that they're from. They're going to be a nationally ranked guy at their position. We're going to be beating out Big Ten and SEC teams for guys. We're going to beat the in-state school for guys. This is the new norm. And I almost think that uh, because K-State fans, especially in football, have always been conditioned to say, hey, recruiting ratings don't matter, stars don't matter, give me a five heart over a five star, and our coaching staff is so good, they're going to, excuse me, coach them up, and we're going to beat your ass, uh, you know, with former walk-ons from Osborne, Kansas, uh, turned into all Big 12 players. We're going to take overlooked guys who played one year of football, you know, in uh, Gladstone, Missouri, and we're going to turn them into an All-American. Hey, we're going to take guys from the farm, switch their position, and then they're going to become NFL draft picks. K-State fans have been so conditioned uh, to say, hey, this is who we are, which, and and I'm not saying that's not still happening. 
Uh, Chris Kleiman has already kind of had some of his rags to riches stories. He's found some diamonds in the rough. Just look at Cooper Beebe. Just look at Felix Inutike Uzama. Those stories are still there. But I think because of the decades of, hey, we're going to work harder with overlooked players and we're still going to kick your ass, I think that the proper amount of attention and celebration of what Chris Kleiman has been able to do and truly take K-State's talent on the roster from spot 105 now to where it used to be, it it has been a miraculous change. And and I, I just think the lack of fanfare around this recruiting win is all the proof of it. And he, again, when it's all said and done, you know, Rakers is a guy who, who used to probably be one of the top players in a K-State recruiting class. He's probably going to end up around, you know, the top six, top seven in this class. He probably would have been around the top ten in last year's class. Again, the, the elevation and the level of talent that is coming into the football program uh, really is night and day from what it used to be. And it gives you so much confidence and so much excitement around the football program. Uh, because just, you know what, uh, during the Catbacker Tour, Chris Kleiman said, this is my final destination. I'm going to retire a Wildcat. I'm going to spend the rest of my career at K-State. You can't help but get excited. Um, because Chris Kleiman seemingly really does have it all when it comes to the recruiting, the retention, and the development when it comes to uh, K-State football I, I think we are in just about as good a possible position in the modern era, in this version of what college football is. I don't think we could be in better hands. I don't think anything could be better than the situation we're in. And it just makes me more excited for football season, about 90 days away, in uh, not just this football season, but for seasons to come. I truly think we are positioning ourselves to be in a situation that, hey, we, we're not going to win the Big 12 every year, but our down years are going to be seven or eight wins. And I think we have truly seen that with Chris Kleiman because that's what it is. Outside of that COVID season, which is stupid, and that's been the anomaly for everyone around college sports, um, it's eight win. That That is the floor. And it is so exciting to know that you're going to have a football team that is going to be capable of winning just about every game that is on the schedule. That, hey, even in the down years, at worst, you're in the middle of the pack in the Big 12 and you you might be playing a spoiler. Um, I I just think, I, I truly believe the best of times. The I don't think there has ever been a more exciting time to be a fan of K-State Athletics when you take into account the trajectory of men's football or football and men's basketball. And again, women's basketball is going to be exciting this upcoming year too. K-State baseball, uh, man, they got screwed. I, I, I thought they were in. I thought they were in. Um, they did not make it in. Um, RPI and just not a lot of wins late in the season. Kind of really dropped the ball late in the season. Um, but they are right there on the cusp of postseason play. Volleyball moving into a new arena. It just a lot of exciting times moving forward for K-State sports. Um, all the freshmen and newcomers have arrived in Manhattan for football and basketball. Summer workouts for both sports are starting up this week, so news will be trickling out. So any breaking news, you know we'll talk about it here. Uh, whenever Colorado joins the Big 12 uh, this summer, because I truly believe it's going to happen, we will talk about it here. And as the schedule for men's basketball 
Uh, when the not full non-conference uh, schedule gets released, you know we'll talk about it here. We'll be coming to you live next, not live, but we'll be coming to you next Monday as well. If any breaking news happens, we'll have a midweek show. Uh, but that's all we have. I hope everyone had a great week. If you haven't, go back and listen to the Shahan J. Raja show we had last week. I'm not kidding. I truly believe it was one of the best shows we've ever had on Bosco's Boys. So go check that out. Uh, but yeah, that's all we have. So for Chauncey, the best dog in the world. For all of K-State Nation, we love you boneheads. And remember, go Cats. Hail to the purple, hail to the white, wildcat in spirit, wildcat in fight, hail alma mater. From sea to sea, onward forever, hail victory. Ba-dum, 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 ba-dum. Fight, UK State Wildcats for alma mater fights. Glory in the combat for the purple and the white. Faithful to our colors. We will ever be a fighting, ever fighting for a wildcat victory. Fight, 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 fight. We face a wildcat for all my mother. Fight, 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 fight. Glory in the combat for the purple and the white. Faithful to our colors, we will ever be fighting, ever fighting for a wildcat victory. Go stay. Podcast Network.